I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hey folks, uh, just before we throw it to this week's episode, if you are in Halifax on March 21st, you should do one thing. Go to the Nova Scotia Craft Beer Fest. Uh, it is an awesome event. happens every year. If you're not familiar with it, it's an all Nova Scotian event that has more than 40 Nova Scotia craft brewers pouring throughout two different sessions throughout the day. So the first session takes place uh, from 1 to 4.30, and then the second one goes from 6 to 9.30. Um, I've gone to this event the last two years. It's friggin' amazing. If you love beer as much as I do, uh, if you love supporting local as much as I do, this is the place to be. Um, all, of the, all of the beer homies are going to be there. Uh, Backstage Brewing, Big Spruce, uh, Brightwood Brewery, Boxing Rock, Church Brewing, Garrison, Propeller, Good Robot, all the classics. So uh, if you are in town, again, March 21st, be, be sure to get your tickets. Uh, you can get all tickets and information over at www.nscraftbeerfest.ca. And uh, I'll be there, so it's going to be a good time. Come on out, have a beer, support local. Um, and while I'm talking about events, uh, this week's episode, holy shit, Andrew Cho was our guest. Uh, what a crazy, crazy story. Buckle up, because you're about to hear... I, I mean, if, the, if there's anything that is going to give you um, um, p- just pure, unadulterated fear for your own life, <laughs> uh, then this, this will be it. Andrew uh, had a spinal cord injury, unlike anything I've ever heard in my life. Um, and he's, he truly is just like such a warrior. He's an extreme athlete, a big mountain biker. Um, but crazy thing is all of this shit that happened to him had nothing really to do with, uh, his sport. It kind of just happened out of the blue. Um, but at the end of the episode, we talk about an event that, uh, is taking place around the entire world. Um, and that event is called the wings for life run. It's happening on May 5th. And Canada has a team called Team Coast to Coast, and they are currently looking for Canadians to join them for the Wings for Life run. So the the idea is that uh, collectively, this team is going to run the distance spanning from Halifax to Vancouver, all in the hopes of raising money and, and research for spinal cord injury. Uh, we go deep into what that event's all about at the end of the episode, so uh, definitely listen all the way through. Um, I mean, it's going to be hard not to. Andrew's story is so wild. Um, so yeah, Wings for Life, uh, check it out. Ha- hashtag Team Coast to Coast. Um, go check out what they're up to. It's all put together by Red Bull there. And uh, uh, thank you to Red Bull and thank you to Andrew Cho for putting this together and sitting down and, and sharing the story because... Whew, it's a big one. Uh, okay, hope you enjoy this week's episode. We love you all. And uh, the next few weeks, next five weeks or so, is all coming out of Vancouver. We had an amazing trip. Thank you, everyone who came out to our live show. Uh, thank you to all the guests that shared their stories. Um, 
really, really just love each and every one of you. And I hope you enjoy the show. See ya. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast that talks about what it's like to be sick. This week, Andrew Cho shares his incredible story about his spinal injury and his fight to get back on his feet. Let's talk about it. Uh, well, we're back in Vancouver, guys. We are. We are. We are. We're, we are. We're back at Dennis's place. We stayed at a nice hotel the last couple nights. Yeah. That was fun. Which is sweet. And now, now we're at your brother's house. We are. Uh, where we've done some recordings before, but we're, we're going to do one in this house while we're here. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited for this one mm-hmm. because we were sitting down with Andrew Cho. Andrew, what's up? Hey, thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, we're stoked to, we're stoked to have you. Um, uh, well, it, this is the best thing about podcasting is that no one can see us right now. We're not, we're not on video. Um, but what I do know about what we're going to talk about today is that you had a, a pretty serious spinal injury. But if anybody else who who didn't know that about you and was here in the room with us would probably have no fucking clue that you had a spinal injury. They would also not know that I got a haircut for this uh, as well. <laughs> <laughs> but it looks but really yes, great. Um, yeah, you would have no idea. I mean, it's it's been just over three years now, uh, 2017, January was uh when it all happened and it i actually didn't know at the time that i was having a spinal cord injury which is crazy because you're actually like uh you're an athlete and also um an athlete uh in an extreme sport as they would call it so um one would probably think that your spinal injury, if they heard, oh, Andrew Cho had a spinal cord injury, they would probably think, oh, it happened while he was doing his extreme sport. But that's not the case, is it? Not at all. So what happened was, um, I mean, that I, I was working from home at the time and I actually woke up with a stiff neck. Wasn't anything different than I had experienced before. And I had just imagined that I would go see my chiropractor and it would sort itself out. And dinner rolled around that evening and it was a Saturday or it was a, I believe it was a Friday. Um, it was the day is this, it was a January 6th, 2017. That's right. It was the day after my birthday. Oh, oh that's right. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember what day of the week your birthday was on? 2017. That was uh, no fucking clue. <laughs> <laughs> I don't keep track either. Um, yeah, I woke up with stiff neck and I couldn't see a chiropractor that day. So I, just went on as, as usual and went to dinner at 8 p.m. and went out with a couple of friends for dinner. And I noticed that I had no appetite. And that's pretty unusual for me. I'm a pretty hungry guy. And I usually <laughs> at least put a good dent in my meal. It's very rare that I take leftovers home. And <laughs> I sat there just staring at my meal and I couldn't converse at all. And I was so distracted by what was happening in my neck. And to me at that time, and I do have a pretty high threat, uh, pain threshold, but at the time I just thought of it as a stiff neck. And when I was talking to my friends, I would have to turn Mm -hmm. with my entire body to face them. This is, this, uh, this is giving me anxiety just hearing you say this because I've been in that situation countless times. I mean, yeah. how many, like you guys, have, you've, yeah. you've been around me when like, I, like I'll wake up and I go, Oh God, I fucking, fucking slept weird last night, guys. And like got that thing where like your shoulders are a little hunched and like, you kind of like your whole body turns when you're talking to the person yeah. to your right and your left. I hate that. But 
You know, I feel but, like this is going in a direction that because I don't know the story. So. But do you, do you know what's even scarier though? Oh God! I, so I'm I also identify with the like going to a restaurant and never bringing home leftovers. And um, right before I had uh, an appendix, found out I had an appendicitis and had to have my appendix removed. I went to dinner with my brother, and I I was hungry all day, and I was like looking forward to eating this meal. And then all of a sudden, I got there and I ordered, and I just had absolutely no appetite. And like immediately I knew something's wrong. Like this is not good. Did you? And, and at the and time it wasn't so apparent. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear a pop? Yeah. <laughs> um, it, at the time it wasn't so apparent that, you know, this could be something worse coming down the road. And at, at that time I was 29 and I had never had anything where I've needed to run to the hospital. Anything I yeah. needed to urgently go to the hospital was a physical injury. I yeah. hit something or I fell down. And so... It was kind of strange at the time, but I kind of went with it. And so my, my friends and I decided that, you know, I should probably go get checked up. They were going to go out for drinks after I chose not to. I went home and my plan, I live downtown Vancouver, and my plan was to go get changed and take a cab to the hospital. And I live a couple blocks away from the hospital. And when I got home, I noticed I was getting changed and I noticed how cold my arms and legs were getting. And my like oh. arms, legs were like just super cold, and it was January. So I kept on just telling myself, oh, "It's okay. It's just January. I'm cold because it's January." And you have though, bad circulation, even though I yeah, never sure. get cold. <laughs> <laughs> and so always I, hungry, never always cold. Hung, that's right. <laughs> Couple flags. Um, so I, I I decided to jump in bed. It was the logical thing at the time. Put some clothes in the dryer to warm up. And then in 15 minutes, I'd be out of here. So yeah. I laid in bed for 15 minutes, wa- warming up, and my arms and legs went from cold to heavy to fully numb. Oh, my fuck. Whoa. Like full legs, full arms? Like, you know when you fall asleep on your arm? Yeah. And, like, you wake up and you're like, is this still attached to me? Like, yeah. that type of Whoa. Numb. So, and, wait, so, so you're, you're a, a mountain biker, right? Yeah. And, um, and I assume that you've probably had, like, some some pretty bad accidents throughout your um, career as an athlete. Yeah. Um, are you the type of person that like when you get injured, um, you're like, oh, I can walk this off or I don't need to go to the hospital or I'll just tough tough it out? You know, I think I've I've evolved as, as a person. Like I think I, in my younger years, I think I would have more likely have to have done that. But um, even as of late, uh, not like recently, but like probably like even in the 2010s, like I would have for sure gotten checked up uh, where we know so much more about concussions. There's still yet yeah, right. so much yeah. to be like learned about, but still I think we're just more aware that our body's not as bu- bulletproof as we once thought it was. Yeah, definitely. So when you're, so when your uh, arms and legs go numb, are you like, okay, now I need to go to the hospital or so, but it was changing so fast that I was trying to self-diagnose what was happening because that's kind of what you do when you're mountain biking. You're usually in the middle of nowhere and you're like, okay, what's working? What's not? How do I get back? Yeah. Um, and so I think there's a part of me that was like, I still want to get myself to the hospital. Calling 911 is kind of your last option. And so I started like feeling my, I even actually bit my arm to see like, is this really, really numb? (laughs) And it was really, really numb. And I was like, I could probably bite hard enough that I could take a chunk out of my arm and I probably wouldn't feel it. No shit. shit. And I was floored by that. And like, just. Were you, like, were you scared? When did it get scared? Was that scary? No, I, I don't even think I was scared yet because things were changing so fast. You're trying to just 
digest what's happening. Yeah, Yeah, right. And this is all within 15 minutes. So my head is spinning and I'm, I'm, uh, I, I think about what's going on and I was like, well, maybe I'm not going to be able to take a cab to the hospital and maybe I should unlock my front door that I locked on my way in because maybe there's a scenario Whoa. where I don't get myself to help. Yeah. What See, a fucking crazy thought. Yeah. Have. And like, I, I think it comes from just years of like worst case scenario planning. And I think there's a part of me that's extremely planned that just likes that, but also just, you know, it, it, I think just over the years of being an athlete, um, you just kind of want to think about option A, B's and C's. Sure. And, so I, as, as, as that was happening, I, I, I was trying to just test my motor function. I was tapping my fingers. I was like, okay, I'll tap my fingers, see how this is going because it's so numb that I could not believe that my fingers were still moving. So I was tapping both fingers, uh, thumb and index finger, as fast as I can. And all of a sudden, my left side stopped. And, oh my God. and I was like commanding it to, to tap and uh, it stopped. And like yelling at it? Yeah, it's like, it, go, 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 go. It. And I was like, and it wasn't doing anything. And... Now I was scared. I was like, yeah. it was like the record stopped. And uh, I was like, oh, I think I'm having a stroke. That was the first yeah, thing that came well, to my mind. Right, yeah. of course. And not even thinking about anything. I was like, left side, stop. There's something going on. Now it's really serious. Mm-hmm. So that front door thing became even more urgent. I had my phone beside me. I was laying in my bed in my boxers. I jumped up. When I jumped up, the full burst actually happened. And what actually happened was I had a... Uh, a blood vessel that basically had burst earlier that morning and it was it was leaking and it was putting pressure on my spinal cord it was so was the blood vessel in your neck yeah this blood vessel was in my spinal canal and uh so your spinal canal is very tight and it was slowly choking off my spinal cord within the spinal canal holy shit and so it yeah, so that's kind of what had been happening all day. And when I jumped up at this moment, the full burst had happened. And I became instantly paralyzed and I fell to the ground on my face. And I had my phone in my hand, but it fell out of reach of my hand. And I found myself on the ground just breathing, hev- like labored breathing, just <clears throat> trying to catch my breath. And to me, I thought I was just winded at this time. And I looked. I, I caught my breath and I was like, whoa, what just happened? And, was, you know, as usual, you'd, you'd want to just push yourself and get back up and do what you're doing. And when I told my arms to push my body up, nothing happened. Whoa. And that was like, whoa, like that, that's not right. What a, what a yeah. fucking bizarre thought. Like the, the thought of the feeling of, you know, like whenever, whenever I'm, whenever I'm like pretty high on like psychedelics, like I take some mushrooms <laughs> or something. I like I look at my hands and my arms and stuff, and I always go like, "Look at these things! Like they, they just they have their own mind. They like I don't, I they just do their they they just do everything on their own. Like I don't I don't think no about no they gra- don't <laughs> <laughs> no. But that's that is what it feels like. You don't think about what it. I what, hear you when you grasp I, something I you or you pick something up off a desk. You're not thinking to yourself, "All right, hand like wrap each individual finger around the mic stand and then hoist upwards." 
just it like just, the, just, how efficient it's yeah. so yeah and you the, are. The, the, the like the brain to finger connection is just so quick is it almost that sensation then, where you like like you stretch your arm out in front of you and like your your mind which you kind of think of as like your soul and like core is is almost like it almost feels like it's in your your brain or like your third eye like your eyes almost but then when you look and you see your hand way out there it's like well, that's not part of yeah, exactly. Me. It's that's like just it's, an attachment. It's its, it's, its own little yeah. being. But then to take that to take that away from you, you know that 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 well, that, even at night when you wake up in the middle of the night, between your brain and your hand, and then to like to feel that, I, mm. I can't even imagine what that feels like. But when you wake up in the middle of the night, it's even scary. Even though you know, you wake up in the middle of the night, your arm is dead because you've been sleeping on it, and you know that that's why it's dead. But it's still disconcerting for a moment. Like, for even a moment, though you but, know, but but even in that moment, you can still move. You're not like you're. Not, I can't. You, there's a. I lip. get full. Like, really? Like you go full on? Like I feel like there's a. Like, I need. I need to. I need to. I need to like. <laughs> no stop. <laughs> <in> my body. <laughs> yeah. There's a. There's a little bit of limpness. I get it. But no, I'm you, talking full on. Can't. Then I, I need, think, then I think you I mean, need to listen to this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> have, have you guys ever had that moment though, where like? Where you feel like something comes on so quickly, like I'm, I, I'm trying to kind of relate to what I would feel like in that in that moment, and I think of there's been times where like I stand up really quickly and I get a like rush of blood to my head and I yeah. feel like really, you know, like, um, I, might, I might black out. Yeah, like unbalanced or off balance, and and for a moment I think like, whoa, is this my new reality? And I have this like thought where it's like, is this whoa, did like something? Because but like you hear of you hear of stories where things just happen to people and all of a sudden. Now their life is like just totally different yeah. for the rest of their lives. And I imagine that if I fell face down on the floor and my body was like paralyzed, not the, responding to the, the, to the, to the, the feeling the of like confusion, up. confusion, yeah. anxiety and, would be so overwhelming. And, and I think what added to this moment was actually the, the part was, I guess, looking back at it now, I had no idea I, I actually had a spinal cord injury at that time. Right. Of course. And to me, in my head, a spinal cord injury happens as a result of a, a like mechanism trauma. Yeah, or a trauma. Yeah. And so to me, laying there on the ground, I couldn't even fathom the fact that like I actually had a spinal cord injury and I just couldn't move at that moment. And so I was trying to push up, nothing was working. And I'm trying to think now, I'm on the ground, I look around, I caught my breath. And I kind of, I'm mapping out the scenarios and I'm like, well, there's a couple ways out of this situation. I get myself to help or my friends or family is going to come get me or look for me. And I thought about that first option because it was easier. And I remember talking to my friends and think about this. If you're out with your friends and we had the same conversation that we did, I wasn't feeling well. I told them that I would go get checked out. When's the soonest... When is the earliest that you think you would go break someone's door down? Like, when's yeah. the soonest that you think your friends yeah. are starting to go? Yeah, like I wonder if how I that went. Rest, yeah, <laughs> if, if, if I was, never, if I hadn't talked to you since that, if evening, it was Taylor, yeah. literally, maybe like a few days. Yeah, because he his phone is always on do not disturb. So yeah. in my mind, I go, well, he's just fucking yeah, so, missing the calls again. Yeah, <laughs> so like you know, probably it would be like, a while for me. You know, I'd probably bust down the door and and Loki had probably eaten half yet by this point. You know, like. <laughs> Cause he's so hungry, but like Brian, maybe a little, maybe probably like immediately. Yeah. But if you knew that, (laughs) but if you knew that I was on my way to the hospital, 
Because that's yeah. what you're saying. You told them basically. I'm I told them to go, like, go get checked go out. And, yeah. you know, I was just going to go walk into emergency at that time. There's no <laughs> walk-in clinics open in the evening. So I was going to go into the emergency and they knew it. They, it was like, I mean, I walked out of that restaurant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I said, I said at that point, I was like, I think at best case scenario, they're going to be three to four days. Before they break my door down, yeah, dude. I, I would That's think probably long. about that too. Maybe two days, be- best case because scenario. Like next day, your phone dies, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then after that, right. they're going to see that your messages aren't going through and you're not returning the call. Then kind of, but still, like you have to go through the concierge. You have like I have fob access in my building. It's a oh, fuck, big yeah. process to yeah. break my door down. Yeah. It's not like you're going to go knock on my house, uh, walk up to my house, and look in my that window. That is a different story. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. so yeah. I said at best case four days and. Are you thinking this in the moment? In the moment. This is like all wow. that's happening right now is like, okay, well, I need to get myself and out. And it wouldn't be surprising if it was like up to a week. Totally. Right? Yeah. Is Hey Siri a feature in 2017? We'll get there. <laughs> and, and so, so, you're, you're, uh, so just, just to be clear, your legs are also fucked, right? Nothing's moving. Got nothing. nothing's work. I got nothing moving. Okay. And so I, I thought that Fuck. probably my, I, I could probably survive laying there for maybe a week. I know you can go like a week without water, two weeks without food. And so water is what was going to get me. And so God, that's a crazy thought to have. My parents were traveling at the time in Korea and I knew it wasn't going to be them. And so if it wasn't my friends, if the difference between me being found and dying is like three days, I wasn't going to lay here to be found. And I knew that they'd do an autopsy later and realize that I had been laying here for a week alive. Whoa. And oh. that Dude, wait, are, are you also the most pragmatic person in the entire world? Because like, <laughs> like I, I would be freaking out if I, if I found that on the ground, I'd be yeah. like, oh my God, what's going on I in my body? I don't think so. I think like, I think it's just like, I had a mission and I was like, uh, my mission, like th- right at that moment is to get help. Right. And like wh- whether it was myself or someone else, I needed to kind of map out what my options were. And so as I'm laying there, I, I quickly realized I had to do something and it wasn't going to, at least I was going to fight my way until I died, basically, until I was found. Mm. And so I looked up and I saw my phone. And what I actually realized was my timeline of me actually surviving a week wasn't that relevant. It was because... It was when my phone died that I would actually die. My chances of getting out of a concrete apartment that's locked, you're not going to yell your way out of there. And I tried actually yelling uh, like right after for help. And because I was, that was like the moment of panic. And when I tried to yell, I actually couldn't yell. I could only speak with as loud as like this. And what actually happened was my injury was at C3 and C4 and C3 to C5 innervates your diaphragm. Oh, oh no. So imagine. So for people who, for people who aren't like physically aware or, or know it's like C the C part of your spine is your cervical spine, spine, which is your neck. And so like C3, C4 is like middle, basically like, yeah, it's basically from like your hairline to kind of that dinosaur bump we have where your shoulders start. And so your diaphragm, the, the nerves that control your diaphragm are basically hook up into that space. So your diaphragm's basically, 
Like, were you finding it hard to breathe too, or my, uh, I, it was labored breathing, but I was right. still breathing. Okay. Um, but not with my stomach, like not with my stomach, just with right. the muscles, muscles that I had access to. Right. And I was lucky that it wasn't Whoa, a dude. full severed because otherwise I would have been toast. Yeah. So how much battery did your phone have? I think I, I think it had a, approximately like just under 50% at, at the time. <laughs> and so I was like, let's say I got four hours. And so I'm I'm like, okay, I have four hours to do something. And for some weird reason, I was super comforted by the fact that all I had to do in four hours was get to my phone today. <laughs> and I was like, the only worry that I have in this moment in time, as messed up as I am right now, is I have to get to my phone. And if I could just get to my phone, I can figure a way out of this. So single minded for me, man. where, yeah. where are you in, in relation, like to, in, to your apartment? Where are you? Right I'm now? right beside my bed. Imagine if you put your planted your feet off your bed, I stood up and I fell straight down face first. Yeah. Okay. How far away is your phone? It's just out of reach of my right arm. So say a foot and a half, maybe two. Oh, feet. Like, oh it's ahead that of close ahead of you, ahead of me. But like, like you I fell ha- and the phone went, bum, 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 yeah, exactly. In front of you. And Fuck. it landed face up. Oh, and this that is like play. a this is a movie. It's man. Kind of, yeah, it's, yeah, it reminds me of 127 hours. <laughs> yeah, I was exactly. thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And so I I looked up at my phone and I was like, okay, well, if I can get to my phone, I can certainly do something. And at the time, the only thing I had control of was, was my neck. And it never dawned on me whether I could do this or not. But I just started dragging my body with my chin. With, whoa, oh, dude! dude. <laughs> Five minutes ago, what? I pictured that. <laughs> And I was gonna say it. And I went, nah. <laughs> like, that's silly. No way. He drags his body with wait, like chin. like inchworm style, like picking your chin up and moving it forward, and like and hooking just, onto the floor and pulling your whole yeah, body on 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 the carpet. Like and oh, by the time I got there, I oh, think it, it took about 10, 15 minutes or so. Um, but by the time I got there, there was no skin left on my chin. Whoa. But I didn't even realize this was happening because I had, course, a, I had other problems. Jackson, yeah, totally. I was like, okay, I completed task one. And then next, like, I got to get to calling someone now. And to your question on, was Hey Siri available at this time? Yes, it was, but it wasn't enabled on my phone. No. But... Oh. We had a touch screen, so we had something to work with. And so I knew that I I was basically, I was like, okay, I got to my phone. Like I can, I still have three hours at least to tongue punch my phone. I just got a a new phone a couple weeks ago and I have Siri, but I don't have like the voice enacted Siri, like where you can just say, hey, Siri, when your phone is not. And so I'm literally grabbing my phone and turning it on right now. Great. Just in case. Because you were saying here. when you said when I'm, you, I'm taking the password off my fucking phone, man. When, shit, you, when you said earlier unlocked. about your about your door, I just about three or four months ago, I got a um, I got like a, a punch a code punch oh, yeah. on my door yeah. and it hooks up to my Google home. And so it's like Google unlock the door. And I think there is actually an emergency feature hmm. to it where like Google blow the door open, blow the door open. <laughs> yeah. There's just a little rigged explosive <laughs> where I think you can, you can say like, Hey Google alert the authorities or whatever the, to get help like, emergency call. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have that or that enabled. So what I ended up having to do was I actually just double tapped my home button with my tongue and got the password screen up, and then I punched my password in with my tongue. And then, you know, you can press your home button to activate Siri. Right. Yeah, I did that right. to to get Siri to uh, call nine one one. This is like wow. a, that's a, that's a very comedic scene. 
just it, watching you go. I mean, yeah. it would be Stick your tongue. In. Yeah, you yeah. did what with your tongue? <laughs> yeah. Did did you did you have to all use, those tongue exercises are are finally paying off? Did you have to use your tongue to put it on speakerphone too? Because I just imagine you trying to like talk to nine one one, but you can't exactly hear them effectively. And that was the final part. And what was really interesting was um, when I called nine one one. How because I didn't know I was paralyzed or had a spinal cord injury, it was impossible for me to actually communicate the severity of my situation. Right. And so in hindsight, this is very clear, but I was down on the ground and I told them that I'm on the ground. I, I, I was 29. I'm on the ground. I can't get up. And I've fallen. I couldn't not move. I couldn't move. And then I fell. It, and I made that distinction that I didn't fall and then I couldn't move. Mm. Right. Because the, I knew that there the was... The inability to move came happy, first. Exactly. And that's an important... And that was the only thing I told them. And they're like, are you sure you can't just come to the front door and open it for us? Like, do you really want us to break your door? And I was like, I can't move. And But the word spinal cord injury or paralyzed sure. never dawned on me. Right. And right. this would actually have an impact on the uh, on how they responded to my call. And so the firefighters broke the door down in eight minutes and they were in eight minutes flat, which is absolutely incredible. Oh, yeah, that's really fast. From, shit. And what was crazy was like, I, I never thought 911 like, hung up on you, but they hung up on me. They're like, oh, they'll be there soon. And I was like, are you going to stay on the phone with me? Like, you sound like you're about to get off the yeah, phone. Yeah, you're like, Whoa. do you know how much time it took? <laughs> do you know what kind of effort <laughs> went into making they're this They're like, call? do you hear the sirens? And they're like, yeah, they'll be there soon. Like, they'll, they'll be up there. And they had a different protocol for different types of calls. And so what actually happened was when you call 911, there's a medical dispatch system that uh, prioritizes your call response. And so there's five, five levels of response for your ambulance, alpha to echo. Echo is like your heart attack, spinal cord injury, stroke. Um, you know, get this, there, get there now. now. What had happened was Alpha's th- like fuck and stub my toe. Totally, and their their system. Um, and they had asked me various questions. They're like, "Were you doing drugs?" I was like, "No, I'm not doing drugs." Um, like, "Were you drinking?" I'm like, "Wasn't drinking." And they're like, "Are you sure you weren't doing any drugs?" <laughs> I was like, oh, "Should I?" Because be? if you were on drugs, you I, might be confused about it. Yeah, <laughs> and so. They had given me a lot of chances and to really escalate my situation, but that's not how it had gone down. And their medical dispatch system, I think it took like a mechanism and some symptoms to actually properly create these alerts. And my call actually fell through the cracks and I was categorized as an alpha that night. Whoa. So the firefighters were there in eight minutes, but it actually took 52 minutes for my ambulance to come. Oh, whoa. whoa. On top of Now, the when the firefighters really? got there, were they not like, whoa, this guy's, yeah, this guy's they, all sorts of fucked so up? So it's very rare for fire to respond <laughs> and to leave you the way they are. And oh, fire no. showed up and they, you know, they put the oxygen sensor oh, on, my yeah, yeah. on my finger and they're checking my vitals and they're like, you're good, man. I was like, I believe I you just pinched my toes, and I said I couldn't feel it. Like that doesn't they, seem that great. Did they move you? They didn't touch me. They okay. just they just left me in my in my prone position, and they were. I can tell they were, you know, spooked. Yeah, and yeah. It's did not you, normal. Obviously, something's up. Something's did, up. There's another one. One of the firefighters were like walking in and out of the apartment, uh, talking to someone on their radio. Um, did you what, ever use the word paralyzed to describe like that you can't move or you no, like I'm paralyzed? No. And the firefighters came and they, you know, they started testing me and they're like, 
you can't feel your toes. So, you know, we're starting to hypothesize what could potentially be happening. And they, even them, they couldn't imagine a, a scenario where you have a spinal cord injury doing nothing. Yeah. And oh. so they're just, they, they're not sure what to tell me. So, but, so they're spooked. So they're like, we're going to leave you till the paramedics get here. So paramedics, if, like two ambulances get turned around on, on their way to us. And what's interesting is I think firefighters have the ability to escalate a call, but my vitals didn't d- deteriorate, or nor did they actually question the, the level of a call. So normally when they show up, they assume that the call, the call has correct prioritization. Right. Mm-hmm. And at the time, uh, because of the fentanyl crisis, ambulances were taking a really long time. Mm. And so we actually had two ambulances that were dispatched, and oh, I remember them saying it, like twice they're like it had to go to a different call Whoa. and it just didn't make any sense to me at the time but i was like i had no fight left in me i did my job i was yeah. like i got help and i'm just gonna wait this out that's kind of crazy because it's it's fascinating it's just for reference when i got when i got hit it was a five it was the top priority an echo yeah. an echo um so it, last may i got hit by a car and and the reason that that it was immediately the top was because you got hit by you a car. You were hit by a fucking car. <laughs> no, but That's it, why. But, but it was because like, of but it was because of the hip. So when the cops right. showed up uh, yeah. and, and asked the cops were the first ones there. Right. Because you know they're the most populous like mm-hmm. around. They're all over the first place. Response, yeah. And they they're saying, How do you feel? And I'm going, something's wrong with my hip for sure. And a broken pelvis, unbeknownst to me at the time, is like Serious. Is like you might have a ton of internal ble- yeah. bleeding organs and stuff all in that area might be ruptured or something like oh, that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I mean that's why when so I, when I was in the ambulance, they were like, "You're going to go into the hospital now and don't be overwhelmed." There's going to be like fifty people that are poking you and prodding you and asking you a ton of right. questions. You're going to have all these tests and stuff. So that's why it was. But right. but what's interesting is that to me, when the cops say what's wrong, and I say. I'm very much in the similar camp as you going, you know, it feels like my hip is probably broken, which to me is like a broken bone and non life threatening. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause you're not thinking, Oh, my hip's broken, which also could mean that my bowels are per- perforated. Right. And I could be like going into toxic shock. Totally. And, I'm just thinking momentarily. I'm just, just thinking going, I've got broken, broken bones. Legs are probably broke. I don't know, dude. Yeah. Hurts. Well, I'm, I'm dying to know like, because I, but that's I would guess the same about. thing. I'm surprised that they don't hear those symptoms and go, "Okay, what he's telling us this, which actually means that." But like monitoring your uh, your your stats consistently, consistently, like like every like ten minutes, they go, "All right, let's check his like O2 stats." And you're, you I was know. just hooked up to their. So that's right. why all the time. Okay. That's why I'm wondering, like, is there is there um, cause for concern, or is it time sensitive when you know? something like this happens where you just all of a sudden lose control of the feeling in your body or lose control over your body. Is it time sensitive to get to the hospital as quickly as possible? Like, is there something that could you know, cause damage for a longer period of time if you're not seen quickly by uh, medical staff? I mean, I, I think it's, a, it's an interesting, funny balance because I think had I gone to the hospital too early, they may have been like, you have a, a neck just a snack. You gotta keep going. So there's this fine balance of like you have to get there at the right time. And um, I guess was it detrimental to your situation that it took 52 minutes for the ambulance to get there? Yeah. So I mean, looking at me now, I mean, 
you'd never know. But right. I think yeah. with any injury, whether any neurological injury or anything really, you kind of have a golden hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really going to improve the chances. And so had, could, had I gotten to the hospital 52 minutes earlier, would it have helped? I think so. Yeah. Um, well, that's the thing with st- when you have a stroke. Yeah. That if they administer a certain drug to you like very quickly. Yeah. I think it, with a stroke, I've I've heard, and I don't, this is totally, I, I have no clue if it's accurate, something like two to four hours. If you mm-hmm. don't get something within two to four hours, then the rehab to get that function back yeah. is like way exponentially like way longer, longer yeah. than if you get it really soon it you know whatever's happening to your nerves or your nervous system while the thing that caused it is still happening you you would think just the fact that it was so puzzling to begin with would be a cause for concern or or for them to like jack it up to a and, like echo level and so the, the what it actually happened was there was no human factor in this whole uh, medical dispatch system. And right. so as a result of my call now, they said that they'd be implementing uh, an advanced life paramedic into the call center, reviewing the lowest priority calls to ensure that the r- response levels to the low priority calls are actually accurate. Oh, that's cool. Wow. And that's so awesome. because of your case, because of my case oh, well, and that's... the director of patient services, he had done this in several like been working in several different countries, different Commonwealth countries that use the same medical dispatch system. And he's like, I've never seen a call fall through. Whoa. And when you look at my injury, so like the, the bleeding in the spinal canal and, um, and, and a spinal cord resulting as a result of that, like those types are already rare to to begin with. Mm -hmm. They say it's probably unlikely a doctor is going to see one of these in, in their careers. Whoa. And so they, I think they said like 0.01 of 100,000 spinal cord injuries are injuries like this. Whoa. So there, it was a quite rare injury to start with, um, which is kind of why it happened the way it did. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so at that point, um, the paramedics arrived. What, mm-hmm. what do they do? They were equally as spooked. But, uh, you know, uh, at, uh, I mean, my vitals were still stable. And I was still like, I think I had like 89% like uh, oxygen levels in my blood. So I was still within, like I was stable. Um, they actually picked me up uh, and built the spine board under my chest. And so they took me face down to the hospital. Okay. And which was very rare. And I spoke with a couple of my, um, a couple of doctors from the ER that received me and they when they first saw me, they thought I had a, a gunshot wound to the back or a stab wound to the back because it's very rare that you actually come in face down. Okay. And so they're like, no, nobody really comes in face down. <laughs> like typically you're on your back yeah. Yeah. unless you have a, <clears throat> a reason to be on your face. And so, yeah, I, I, got, I, I got brought in face down and um, they brought me to St. Paul's, which is the hospital downtown in Vancouver. And so from there, um, I was seen by physicians. They right away kind of suspected that it could probably be a spinal cord injury. So they start doing this poke test where they like, put, like they, they ask you if it's sharp or dull. And, yeah. and they like it's a dull end of a pin and a sharp end of a pin. And they do this like <clears throat> everywhere on your body from neck down. And they record it. And that's, that's kind of the, your first step in a spinal cord injury I- exam. And so that was to determine what level of injury I had. And, but at the time, basically anything collarbone down for me was completely numb. I had nothing. Yeah. And 
right after that, I went to a, into a CT scan and that confirmed the bleed that I had um, in my spinal canal. And I, I got transferred to VGH at that time. And basically within, like, I mean, the ambulance that took me there waited for me and they took me to, to Vancouver General, which is our spine center. And I got rushed into an operating room right away. And there was there was there was a surgeon and a full team, a neurosurgeon and a full team ready to go and to operate. And this is how long but, after? Yeah, how long since like the moment you fell? Yeah, I, I think we're talking about four hours approximately. Whoa, that is a rapid it's, response. It's rapid yeah. response. And so like I, the first hour I spent laying on the ground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the three hours three later. hours flies by in a wow. ER. Yeah. And so I think I went into surgery around four AM. Um and were you were you panicking at all? Were like were it, you freaking out? It was just out? like it was just a crazy dream, you know. Like every minute, there's just crazy information that you're like. At first, they're like, maybe it's meningitis, maybe like mm. it could be it's could be meningitis in your spine, could be a spinal cord injury. Let's see what happens. CT scan comes back. They're like, whoa, you have a spinal cord injury. Do they communicate like what um, like the severity of what that might? So entail? Th- at that time, they don't tell you a lot. They just tell you you have a spinal cord injury. Right, because it could be anywhere. On the yeah, and, like, and you know, this is forever. It, to, it, this yeah, is they're like not really talking thing. too much about long term at that time. They're okay. just trying to give you in, like instantaneous information there. Um, so what was actually quite interesting was when, when, I, when they received me at St. Paul's, uh, a social worker was part of the team that received me. And... I thought I had an idea of what social workers did. I thought, you know, they work with children or, um, you know, do notifications or help, you know, help you get back to work or, or yeah. whatnot, right? And she's like, I remember her saying, you know, I understand you have a spinal cord injury. Um, we need to get access to your phone to help notify your family what's going on. Um, we know you're, and so I, I let her know that my parents were traveling in Korea at the time. And so she took all the relevant information. I told her that they have a different SIM card, so we'll need to FaceTime audio them. And she wrote all this down. And just as fast as all this happened, we, we got rushed out of there to, to go to VGH. And I was blown away. And like my phone gets stuffed into a, a plastic bag with all my clothes. And I get stretchered over. And there's another social worker that receives me. And she's like, oh, Andrew, I realize I know uh, from our previous so- social worker that your parents are traveling at the time and th- I have access to your uh, phone. We're going to be going into the OR right now. And I think this is the right time to call your family. And I was just, <laughs> you know, at that moment that you trip. were going to the OR, like, yeah, you, we, you we, they knew that, like, they, they told me that, like, we had to go, go yeah. for the best chance of recovery. We have to operate now. Um, and so I was like, yeah, let's do it. And, I, uh, you know, they didn't really tell me what procedure they're doing. They said that they, w- they would be decompressing my spine. Um, I get work. We go through, run through the ER to the elevator, go up the OR, and social worker is still there with me. And I'm literally calling my mom from the operating room table. Whoa. And because wow. we didn't want to tell her when we were at St. Paul's because we didn't know what was wrong with me. Right. And so she's like, I know we haven't had a lot of time. Things are changing really quickly. This is probably a good time to, uh, call your mom and let, let her know what's going on. So I call her and I tell her, and I'm like, I didn't really want to say the spinal cord. You know, they had been throwing around the word paralyzed. Like they're like, you know, at St. Paul's at, when the CT came out, they said, you're, you're, you're quadriplegic. 
Whoa. And wow, that sounds early. It's quite early. <laughs> but at, at the moment, I had no like motor, motor function of, yeah. or like any pain sensation or any movements. Do you have so any? For this, in, in this like, moment, you are. At the moment, I'm yeah, a quadriplegic. Right. Yeah. And they're not talking about what's in the future. And that but, is a fucking heavy <clears throat> word. Well, yeah. Did you, did you have like a, an emotional reaction to hearing that? Or was, were you just still I in think this, I like, just, like the hair on my back, uh, on my neck just rose and I was like, Oh, like I'm a what? Okay, like, but in Did my you mind, tell them that your hair rose though. They were like, look, look, look at the hair. It's the moving. Is that good? Is that bad? <laughs> <laughs> and then they're Things like, yeah, but you couldn't feel the finger in your butt. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you you're going feel to feel where my finger man. is now. <laughs> That's actually how it happened. Like after really? that prick yeah. exam, yeah. like one of the exams is to check uh, your your uh, perennial nerve, which is in your butt. Mm-hmm. And they, Whoa. yeah, I couldn't feel it. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Can you when wiggle it's, your finger a little yeah. more. <laughs> it's crazy when it goes. Um, it's Sorry, crazy you when it like goes. You're deep. enjoying this. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, no, definitely can't feel that. It's crazy when it goes. Uh, when the when the when the lack of sensation is is really deep. Mm-hmm. When I got hit, I was ha- I had a bunch of I was numb basically from like halfway up my torso to like ha- to almost all the way down my left thigh and and it was like really deep like i couldn't you know i couldn't feel anything mm-hmm. there and then gradually as the nerves regenerated because it was it was from the impact of the car so that regenerated and they did a lot of those prick tests mm-hmm. where they would where they would see where like where's the perimeter of the lack of sensation yeah. and then they would put a little permanent marker totally. and then we'd see you know 2 weeks later where that was and stuff but how over time you could tell that if you just if you pushed a little bit you would i wouldn't feel it and you push a little bit harder and i wouldn't feel it push a little bit harder and i start to feel it because it's starting to hit nerves around it deep deeper yeah. deeper down which have sensation but like the more superficial stuff doesn't mm-hmm. and like to stick a finger in your ass <laughs> where like you can't feel Finger deep. <laughs> Could you try a little bit deeper, sir? Yeah. Are you using your middle finger? And hey, give me your whole. You guys, weight. like, remember, like, you can't just turn around. I'm paralyzed, so you can't just look back and ask him. Let's see what he's doing. So, yeah, yeah I honestly had no idea what was going on. So, we get it. We uh, I finish. I tell my mom. I was like, I in my mind, I thought this surgery would fix everything. Yeah, going into right. it, I had such high hopes. I was like. I think I was I was obviously very naive and obviously naive for a good reason because I thought that I couldn't be in this bad of a situation not doing anything. Right. Yeah. And I think with this this mindset would actually I think help me down the road but at the moment it kind of got me in a naive state where I actually just told my mom I was like, "Hey mom, I had a bleed in my spine um and they need to operate." to relieve the pressure and I was very careful not to use the P word that I was paralyzed and she understood the severity of it and she usually has a lot of questions as most mothers do and I could tell that she was like well it's 3 4 a.m. over there right now and you're calling me from the operating room table like so she was like okay well this is serious that do what you need to do and have the surgeon call me after and this is all with the help of a social worker and it, I went into surgery with such high hopes and I woke up at 7.30 in the morning in the ICU 
And I remember waking up. It took me a minute to realize, okay, I'm at the hospital. Okay, I remember what happened last night. And I was like, ah, I got that surgery. And I should Whoa. be all good now. And I tried to get up because I was slight, like slightly reclined and nothing worked. And my heart dropped there <sighs> and I, I, I just started crying. And I, I realized that this was going to actually be a longer term thing. And I, in my head, I thought, I'm going to get the surgery. I'll go back to work after the weekend. It's going to be all good. I'll, maybe I'll take a couple of weeks off. And it, I realized at that moment that it wasn't going to be like that. And I, yeah, that was kind of the, the moment where it all settled in <laughs> and that I was going to potentially live Whoa. as a quadriplegic for the rest of my life. Sick Boy Podcast will be right back after this very short break. Think of your favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm Delon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. So, I mean, that that all is a, a fucking wild story, and... And I mean, literally like this played out in my head as you told this, like, like I was watching a film and a a film that like 127 hours or whatever it's called, you know, it it induces this sense of like panic and and anxiety and, Mm. and it's very intense. Mm -hmm. Um, but looking at you right now, I'm like, wow, obviously there was, there was a, a, a very different outcome. You know, you, you, you've, you've had, I don't want to say that you've like fully recovered because I don't know your day to day, but you look like you've, you've had quite the recovery. I think that's safe to say. It's yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, so we never really knew that it was going to end up like this and I have made an absolutely incredible recovery, but Everything suggested that I wasn't going to recover like this. And right. two weeks in, they didn't. When I, when I was in the step down ICU at VGH for two weeks, at first couple of days after surgery, you know they're monitoring you, and I was hoping to you know get an, like get an answer of what's going on. And I think it was closer to kind of a two weeks time. I think it was like ten days or something. And they're like, Andrew, you know, we typically look at a couple numbers here and like. 48 hours is usually when most people who end up walking after a spinal cord injury Whoa. show most of their recovery. 48 and hours. 48 hours. And wow. we're we're close to two weeks here. You have a little bit of wrist moving, you have some knee moving, and you have a little bit of arm movement all on one side because the left side of my spinal cord was worse off than my right side. And uh, and the the neurosurgeon was just like, I don't want to take away from you know the positivity in this room but I just want to manage your expectations on what your future looks like. You, right now, you have a Asia B spinal cord injury. So spinal cord injuries are graded on A to E. A normal, healthy person is an E. A is a complete sever. B is an incomplete. It's, the, it's as bad as get, it gets without a sever. And I was a quadriplegic, no, no motor function. Um, 
And so they say most people recover one letter grade in their lifetime, which for me to go from a B to a C is kind of what they expected. And so they expected that I would get use of my arms um, eventually. Not full use, but some use, enough that I'd be able to control my own wheelchair or push sure. a wheelchair. Wow. And so that was kind of the trajectory they prepared me for uh, in that time. And once again, naive me, I was just like, well, I'm going to prove you wrong. And I I didn't do anything. So Naive how- you or... <laughs> or- not so naive now. Uh, yeah, yeah. It doesn't <laughs> seem like that was a naive you looking at. I you think right it's now. just like a, a mixture of uh, determination and just a little bit of. I mean, is I, there like sheer luck in that as well? I certainly, I think there's absolutely luck in, in yeah. every spinal cord injury, and they say every spinal cord injury is quite unique. Yeah, um, and they're just speaking off of stats, right? Sure. So most people end up like this. Yeah, and so. I think there was certainly determination, um, will, and just me being a bit stubborn and right. wanting to not end up like this. And it's not to say no one wants to be paralyzed. No one in that ward that, or in the, my entire journey that, they, that I've met wants to be paralyzed. No one ends up being paralyzed because they want to. And so there's definitely that element of, of luck and just, you know, whatever it may have been that, you know, what, that allowed me to have a quite an incredible recovery. Right. Have you ever read the book, the, the miracle man? No, it's a, uh, I can't, it, it has some relation to relationship to the book, the secret, but it's about this, uh, guy who, um, gets in a plane crash and, uh, they basically say, Oh, you're never going to recover. You're going to be a quadriplegic the rest of your life. Um, but through, uh, hard work and physiotherapy and, this what he believes to be a positive mindset he makes this like incredible recovery and mm. and basically fully recovers um but it's so interesting because like i'm the i'm the type of like inherently optimistic person that believes that like oh with a positive mindset you can accomplish anything but like there is also the reality that like with some like clinical diagnosis or situations you just may, it's limited, right? Your like your luck like, may be running out. Yeah. So, yeah. so what? I know that you you mentioned that having a positive mindset you think was important for your recovery. Like, do you, do you what what amount I guess of your recovery mm. do you attribute to being optimistic and being uh, positive? Thinking? Yeah, I, I think like looking at recovery, it's such a holistic thing you have to look at. It's not just physio or it's not just diet. Um, and we broke the recovery down into a couple different categories and one was <coughs> mind, mindset which gives you the foundation to be able to push off of mm-hmm. and then there's obviously the the treatments the physio but that really only amounts to a couple hours a day uh there's your diet which is what fuels you powers you and so and and then other alternative treatments um whether that be acupuncture massage therapy and so there's a lot of tools in in your arsenal that you you can use um and when you say we we broke this down are you are you talking about you and your healthcare providers I, or like you and and you know, like some close homies that just like you were like guys come on let's gather around and and put together this fucking plan cuz yeah, I'm not gonna be. I'm I not mean, gonna be like this for the rest of my we, life. We, I, I always refer to this whole recovery as we because when you're paralyzed, it's not just you that's paralyzed. Yeah, yeah. And and it wasn't just me that got me walking again. There's so many people, so many friends that stepped up huge, and so many people that showed up that 
when I say we, when I got like me being vertical again is not just a me experience. It's mm-hmm. just a whole holistic experience. But mm-hmm. there's definitely like everyone from naturopaths um, to massage therapists, physios, um, you know, so, so many people that were involved um, in getting me back again. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's, that's kind of what I'm referring to. Yeah, cool. it, it's. Uh, I, I kind of want to come back to this this idea of the mindset because um, mm-hmm. I think that it's really powerful. Because I just imagine from a medical perspective, when they're looking at statistically, people will only improve one le- letter grade. <laughs> like I think it would be easy for a medical practitioner to only expect so much of your recovery. Totally. So I I imagine that it's probably important for you personally to take a lot of initiative. Um, to do what you can to try to, you know, make the best of your situation. Yeah, and and I think it was very, I I I never thought of mindset when I was first when I first went into the hospital, but I knew from you know from my mountain biking days and also like my my work working with action sports athletes. Sometimes it's not your physical ability that is the difference between you winning a gold medal, yeah, big and time. a silver, and it's your it's what's in your head. And we knew that, like, I had to arm myself with the best tools possible to give myself, my body, the best chance. And I thought it was going to be quite a process of like getting me coached. But the most effective tool was actually taking a tour around the hospital, mm-hmm. around the spine ward, realizing that there were so many people that were worse off than me. And I, I, I'll never forget the a couple of days over, there was a family. Um, the, the son had recently sustained a, a spinal cord injury and he was on a ventilator and I was already lucky and lucky that I wasn't on a vent mm-hmm. and his dad rolled in and he was, was already a paraplegic from a different accident. And Whoa. I was just thinking like how much trauma can this family endure? Mm. And so that already kind of got me into a, a, a gratitude mindset of just like being grateful and being thankful for, for the time. And I, when I, talk about this experience i tell people that it's the best worst experience of my life mm-hmm. well you, you kind of said it perfectly right right off the bat about mindset about it laying the foundation like it is the thing on which everything else is built if you don't have if you don't have a belief that you can defy the odds that you can that you can you know be the outlier that you can do all these things then all the things that come after that all the therapies the diet everything all the 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 healthcare providers that you end up working with that, you know, give you all the things to do that complete the puzzle. If the mindset isn't there, none of those things happen mm-hmm. or they happen half-assed mm-hmm. or, or what, or you go and you, you kind of, you, you walk through the, you go through the motions with what they do. I mean, I'm sure as an athlete, you've had the experience of having a little, of having an injury, going to see a physio and the physio gives you a few things to do mm-hmm. and, you fuck off and don't do them. I know that I have in my day. Yeah. Um, and in the face of such a of such a groundbreaking, such a, a life changing situation, that mindset that mindset has to be there for everything else to for everything else to fall into place that will get you to a place. Because if you don't have the mindset, even if you are in this, even if nothing else changes, and you can maybe you don't get to where you are right now mm. because even though physically you were you always have the capability the, mm. the possibility is there if the mindset isn't there to do all the other things that come with it then yep. maybe you don't maybe you're not where you are today well yeah it's like very simply like if having the mindset alone doesn't mean that 
you you will defy the odds. Right. But you definitely won't without the mindset. Totally, yeah. yeah. And you don't really want to test it <laughs> to no. see if, yeah. how you come out on the other side. Right. And so, yeah, it was really about giving me the best chance possible. And so that kind of set... The precedent, like I guess, that kind of set the foundation for what the next hundred, like hundred days would look like. Right. With the talking about you being an athlete, and um, and you know this, um, the injury just kind of happening. W- was it? Was there any relationship to you know banging your body around? And- yeah, they they can't prove it, but they think that there's a very good chance that it's just built up trauma um on on that specific blood vessel okay um that likely blood they they shouldn't just pop you know out of nowhere okay i'm glad you said that because i have been like this entire time i've just been like man i really hope i don't sleep with a fucking kink neck tonight like i don't want to wake up tomorrow and just all of a sudden fall face face flat onto my onto my bedroom floor so like they they think there's a probably a good chance that because you know, you're a mountain biker, so yep. there's obviously like a lot of ups and downs. You know, yeah, hard. whiplash, and yeah. they—that's what they believe. But it's you know, it's, but who knows? It's, it's hard to yeah, it's hard to say. But you know, I'm not gonna let that really get hold me back too much. It's yeah. <laughs> do you still do you still bike? I still mountain bike. I, I yeah. snowboard. Um, it's I, I feel like I'm still getting fitter year after year. Yeah. Um, with neurological injuries, things are very slow. Um, obviously I've gotten to, I feel like I'm like 89%. When did you, for when, so in terms of the timeline, um, when did you start taking steps again? When did you start like, yeah, getting so back to your feet? I was admitted to GF strong, which is our rehab uh, facility in Vancouver. And so they stood me up in a standing chair, which is basically a frame that just force stands you up for the first time at the end of January. And that almost made me pass out. I and I re- quickly realized I thought I could always just force myself to stand up. And I realized that like there are so many other complex variables that are probably holding me back from walking than right. I originally thought. Because I was like, I didn't think I was gonna pass out like just yeah, by being yeah. vertical. But because I was horizontal for so long, when I got vertical, I just got super dizzy. And so right. it took a little bit of time to just. Get, for me to get used to being vertical. And then we basically, I mean, it, it never happened. It's not like a light switch where you just turn it no, on. It's obviously it's, the slow, it's like one gradual. day you can move your finger a centimeter, then yeah. your next one, then it moves another centimeter. Then maybe you can do something. So it, it was about a hundred days at that. And at a hundred days I was discharged from uh, rehab. Was your medical oh. team just like, what the fuck Andrew? it was it, it's actually like a little bit well it's funny because the it's not very common for people to walk around and so it's not very common for the nurses to have to look for a patient because <laughs> spinal cord injury <laughs> patients they don't go where you far. are pretty yeah they're yeah. pretty immobile Ooh. so they it was funny as i you know as i got closer to the 100 day mark i'd be practicing walking at night um in the daytime wherever just roaming the halls um i wasn't very stable so i wasn't really safe to necessarily walk in public mm-hmm. so i was walking with forearm crutches at the time to make sure that i had uh, visual indicators that you know that i was unstable um but yeah it, really 100 days was kind of when i realized that i think 
I mean, around the hundred day mark was kind of when I realized um, that I could. I'm 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 going to be walking again. Wow! O- over the course of that hundred days, I imagine that you know we talked about this positive mindset, um, but I imagine that it's not just something that's like always on. You're like, all right, every day, rah rah rah, I've got this. Totally. I feel really good. Yeah. Um, I imagine that it kind of went and came and came it, and went in waves. It's definitely something you're always in the work of, right? Like, I don't think it's like something you just like go buy at a store and you're like, okay, I got yeah. it now. Um, did but, you have like? Did you have tools or or um, kind of tricks to kind of keep yourself thinking positively throughout that? Yeah, so um, there's journey? a uh, there's a couple things. I mean, um, one of them was actually visualization, and what what I mean by that is uh, my good friend now Mike Shaw, who is a, also a former quadriplegic. Um, he had a ski accident where he basically d- dislocated his neck. It's so crazy to say former quadriplegic. Yeah, I was yeah. Say or a walking quad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he visited me a month into my recovery and I had gotten a, a, an intro to him through a couple of friends and he messaged me and seeing like Mike Shaw single-handedly seeing him changed the trajectory of my recovery. When he walked in through the the doors, I had already done all my research on him. And I was like, if I can be like a quarter of what you have, (laughs) I will be so happy for the rest of my life and I will never complain. And that gave me goosebumps when you said that because it's like the power of some of of just seeing another person and hearing their or like hearing their story. Mm -hmm. Um the the ability that that has to like totally change your trajectory is so powerful yeah. and well, everyone I mean, around you. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. we've heard that through just doing the show, you know, like people who've written in to tell us about how a conversation that they've heard from this podcast and hearing somebody else <laughs> get through the challenges that they've been through and mm-hmm. how much that's like, you know, given them the, the, the leverage that they needed or that little like that little boost that they yeah. felt like they needed and to to know that they're not alone and they can get to, you know. And so that that was the one of the first tools that I I guess I, like I didn't know I, it was a tool until I realized this was actually working for mm-hmm. me. And then the second part was kind of compartmentalizing tasks. And so I used this technique uh, when I was training for like to be uh, for slope style mountain biking. So it's like when you do tricks. And so when you go learn to do a backflip on your mountain bike, you don't just do it out of the blue or else you die. <laughs> um, so you break down a, a daunting task into manageable chunks. And so when you go do a backflip, you do it into water, then you do it into a foam pit, then you do it in, into a bark mulch pit, and then you, then you do it about a thousand times into the bark mulch before you go onto dirt or a ramp. And so... When you break down crazy steps, so like when when I was paralyzed, my end goal was to walk, right? And so I, but I couldn't think about walking because it was so overwhelming. Right. I couldn't even control the recline of my bed. What was I? I had no place to be. I had no business thinking about walking at the time. Yeah. So like thinking about little tasks and just owning those tasks and like really being grateful and celebrating those small wins. Mm. And it's like, it's a millimeter a day, but when you add up a bunch of those, it's everything tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And That's an awesome quote. Yeah. I'm going to put that on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> Along with all the, other, all the other ones. Yeah. <laughs> Live, laugh, love. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. That's the biggest <laughs> one. That's <laughs> Brian's favorite. Um, yeah, so it's... It, it, I think those are the two techniques that really helped a lot. 
not losing sight of what you want to do, but remember that like what you're doing today or like maybe no, just know that like controlling the recline in your bed or like learning to put your own shoe on is a step in the right direction. And also uh, another tool in visualization um, is actually just looking at your past. So like record videos of yourself as you go along. And my iPhone was single-handedly my best tool that I had Mm -hmm. to do this. I'd get people to record me every day from day one. Mm -hmm. And they're like, why are you recording it? And I was like, I don't know, but just record it. And I know they're like, you, this is not a very glamorous position to be in. And that's what, like, my mom was initially like, we, why, why do you want me to record this? This is horrible. And it actually ended up being a really big tool to look back and be like, oh, wow, in a week, yeah, I can do this. Because yeah. it's not from, like you said, it's not from the day before. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's looking back and going, you know, two weeks on or that's three right. weeks or, or two months and going, let's look back at day one. And then you go, this is where I am compared to day one. Because if you think about where you were t- yesterday, yeah. you're, it's not going to make you very stoked about your progress. And you may go back backwards one day. Yeah. And I think that was another thing that I had to, had to be okay with was that although there are like for the most time, you know, most days you're changing and like we change every day. You sit here on a couch for a week, you're going to be different than you were seven mm-hmm. days ago. Mm-hmm. But I think just being okay with regression or just knowing that one day it was going to plateau or regress i think just being getting ready to ment- mentally r- like wrap your head around that i think was an important factor too cuz you don't always improve every day mm-hmm. um speaking of mike shaw mm-hmm. uh i think this is a kind of a good point to bring up that uh you've got a quite an exciting event coming up uh, in a couple of months um why don't you you give our listeners a little bit of a rundown on what uh, Wings for Life is and what Team Coast to Coast is all about? Yeah, um, Wings for Life is the largest contributor to spinal cord research in the world. And the treatment that Mike received and I received would have been as a result of, of their research. They fund research and clinical trials. And so there's an event, uh, it's called Wings for Life World Run. And basically it... it, it it's it's a run that raises awareness and funds for spinal cord research. And so this year we have a t- our team called Team Coast to Coast and our goal is to run 5500 kilometers collectively across Canada. And oh. what's unique about this is that there are countries where you have organized runs where they have big road closures, but you can actually also participate from home from wherever you are by app. And so when you turn That's on your app, cool. yeah, so um, our goal this year is to have everyone registered in Canada, our, our collective mileage amount to 5,500 kilometers, which is um, all the way from uh, one, one side of the coast all the way to the other side of Canada. And so we have different team captains. I think we have 11 or 12 team captains across Canada who have all suffered spinal cord injuries and were connected by th- these experiences. Cool. And um, actually, two two of the team captains, aside from yourself, yeah. uh, have been on the show: Josh Duick. Oh, oh, cool! And uh, Aaron Sardi. Oh no cool. way! Yeah, Josh. Yeah, awesome. Josh was one of our uh, one of our earliest guests. That's right in in uh, in, in Vancouver. Vancouver. First right. one of the first Vancouver guests. That's right. Actually. Amazing. Yeah. So yeah. that's really exciting. So yeah. So our goal this year is to run fifty five hundred kilometers. Um, so I would say we need about say 500 or so participants that's kind of our target yeah um what's really unique about this run is actually that there's no fixed 
mileage for the run. A lot of runs are like half marathons or you know so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, the finish line starts and comes and catches you. So 10 minutes after you leave the start line, there's a catcher car that comes and catches you. So people of all abilities can run. Oh, really? yeah. So awesome. everyone runs a different distance. Uh, I think like the world record's 89 kilometers, which is absolutely insane. Whoa. It's like wild. a full-blown sprint. <laughs> Whoa. So, so this all happens on the same day? This all happens on the same day. Uh, it's on Sunday, May 3rd. Um, our start time is 4 a.m. And so th- everyone runs around the world at the same time. No, really? Yeah. So oh, 4 a.m. Awesome. here, which would be Sep- 8, 8 a.m. Yep. back home. Yep. Yep. Yeah, right. Halifax, and, yeah. and then 7 a.m. in Toronto. So it's... Uh, nice. Fuck, it, that sucks for you guys. I hope I hope you guys can Four join. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll definitely I join. I hope you join. AM? I can make 8 a.m. work. Oh, yeah. well, sure. thanks so yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if it was 4 a.m., yeah, that's hours. a different story. Yeah, yeah there, it's, a, it's a really crazy time for us. That's but, so wild. Yeah. What, a, what, a fun, what a fun event. Yeah, it, there's hundreds of thousands of people running around the world at the same time. That's wow. very cool. And yeah, it's, it's, such a, it's such a neat event. So where can people go to, to register to, to find out more information? Yeah. Yeah, you can find them uh, Wings for Life World Run. Um, that's on the website. Register. Uh, you want to register for the app run in your um, from wherever you are mm-hmm. um, through the website. It's pretty self-explanatory process, but basically you're registering for an app run within Canada. Sweet, mm-hmm. and that's May again. May th- yeah, May third. May third. Yeah, awesome. May third, twenty twenty. Andrew, man, this was uh, this was quite a story, and uh, it was an absolute pleasure to be able to to have some time to sit down and, and hear it. Um, I again, like I I feel like I just watched a really stressful film, um, <laughs> and uh, those are my favorite kinds of films, the ones that leave me feeling stressed but with a with a happy ending. And this is most certainly this is the audio version of Uncut Gems. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Uncut Gems does not have a happy ending at all. This is a happy ending. Yeah. Um, uh, thank you, man. Thanks for taking the time to come hang out with us. Yeah. Thanks so much yeah. for having me. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, man. And thank you all so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we will be back next week with another fantastic conversation. But in the meantime, if you want to help us out, you can go over to Apple Podcast and leave a rating and a review and hit the subscribe button. Uh, it would mean the world to us. And uh, why don't you just tell like three people that you don't know, just strangers on the street that you listen to our show and, yeah. see, what, and see how they respond. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like a pay it, like a pay it, yeah, pay it forward, pay it forward kind of yeah. And then you can also yeah. apply the same principle to our Patreon page. Hey, um, you know, tell tell, about three, it? tell three people about our Patreon page. And yeah. Just literally pay it forward. Literally pay. <laughs> yeah, very literally pay <laughs> it forward. Patreon Patreon.com slash sickboy to be um, an amazing contributor and get access to all the cool stuff that we have over there. And uh, and you know, you're part of the reason why we're able to be here, especially right here in this room right now in Vancouver with Andrew. And having this conversation, our Patreon contributors are a huge part of that. That's so. right. And just one more reminder to go and sign up for the Wings for Life uh, relay and sign up for Team Coast to Coast. I know that we're all all three of us are going to do it. I'm just committing you two as well to do it with me. I'm plugging so, in, hey, man. You know so, I'm more absolutely. of a biker, but I can run one day. Uh, and uh, thanks to Donovan, the CPAP. Morgan for the amazing sound design. Uh, thanks for making it sound right now. Like we're all pulling ourselves with our chins on carpet towards uh, our phones. Oh, there's, call, so, oh, there's so much call for help. Tr- trigger warning there for Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and thanks to take part for the theme music. That is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Andrew. And this is Sick Boy. Yeah.
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.